podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This week we've seen some of the passion, energy and fight that Neil Lennon and Celtic are famed for, but unfortunately it came in a Monday afternoon press conference rather than Wednesday night's league game at Livy. Another draw was the order of the day there, giving us our third stalemate in a row and only our third point out of 12 in 2021. Speaking of stalemates, it seems Neil Lennon and Peter Lowell are having a standoff of their own if rumours are to be believed, and with the former not willing to leave and the latter not willing to pay him off, then it's as you were for the Celtic management team. Welcome to the Celtic Exchange, this is Tino and helping me make sense of the current situation at Celtic Park are Miff and Kenny. Welcome both to the show. Kenny, how are you enjoying your January? Hello Tino, hello Miff. I'm actually doing dry January at the moment. I've managed to stick to it without having touched a drink this year. Given what's went on for the last couple of weeks, I think that's pretty remarkable and I'm proud of myself for that. I'm absolutely drinking in uh, the rumours about Rafa Benitez. I know we've just discussed it <laughs> for a short period that, uh, off mic there, but and we'll come into detail of it. But I need it. I feel like I need something to be optimistic. I'm going to keep that, and and I'm going to say also I don't think it's completely beyond the realms of possibility. Well, a few folk I spoke to have said they never thought Roger would come, so they're putting the, the Rafa rumours into to that bracket. What are you saying to him? Absolutely no chance. No. However, I will say that the darkest hour comes before the dawn. Right, so I'm, I'm done with just... When I look at it on reflection, right, see those three results? They were pretty much inevitable after the whole COVID thing because your two games when you'd a weakened team and then the third game, the other game coming when the players who were brought back in had limited training time. Also, the game at Livy's Park, that's twice we've been there and thrown away leads. We've done it last year as well and we've fought our way kind of back into the game. It's a very difficult place for us to go and win, historically. You know, results like that... Away at Pataudry, away at Ibrox, away at Easter Road and away at the Tony Macaroni are traditionally hard places for us to go. It's not necessarily those games that have tripped us up. The home draws against Hibs and Livy, yes, but again, there's mitigating circumstances for that. This isn't a impassioned plea for fairness on Neil Lennon. I think the ship sailed there and I think it's pathetic that neither the board nor Lennon himself can bring themselves to deal with the situation which is currently staring us in the face because it's of their own their own doing. It can't get any worse. It really can. It certainly can. I think we'll, we'll, we'll cover a bit of Livy first because I think there's there's more to get into it. And you're right, if it's almost like the football stuff's become a bit of a moot point at this moment in time. The results are irrelevant because I think we all agree that the Lenny ship has sailed, if not, you know, physically, certainly in everyone's heads. So we'll cover a wee bit of the Livy game and then we'll get into, you know, the, the management team in a bit more detail. So it, it was yet another draw. So third draw in a row. That's three points out of 12 since the, the turn of the year. It's also another game where we've managed to lose from a winning position. And that in itself points back to that mental fragility in the term that we've, we've heard so often. What was your take on it, Kenny? It was a poor first goal to lose. Celtic get back in the driving seat, looking good at half-time, and then another collapse. Just more of the same from what we've seen in the Europa League games and what we've seen over the course of this season. Just the fragilities for, there for all to see another set-piece set again. I, th I thought that the lineup was 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 fairly decent I, th I thought he sort of picked the, the best team that was available to him there but happy to see given the circumstances El Yanusi come back in he did, um, he did do well uh, and he's obviously a top goal scorer this season the last three games every time uh, I I've struggled to see what, what formation we're playing I think it was a diamond but we just seem to be all over the place it was the same with the Hibs game and the same with the Liver game there just doesn't seem to be much structure we, 
before the Rangers game, the, the games leading up to that, it was clearly diamond. It was clearly a diamond they were playing. I've not seen that in the last few games. I thought again, Tumble and Sorrow. Sorrow not didn't have his best game, but Tumble certainly was 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 playing doing doing his normal stuff. Can I just come in on that point for for different reasons? I didn't see too much of the first half. I, I went up the stairs and it was by the time I went up it was two one and I saw the lovely goal which was absolutely pathetic. But then that coincided with a bit of play where for the next five minutes or so Celtic pressed high up the park and at that time Turnbull was the absolute driving force behind all of that. He was picking the ball up in different areas, beating players, putting great balls into great areas and then he gets up. Well, I, I want to talk about the subs in a bit more detail because yeah. I touched on it in Wednesday's match reaction game. But You've not got a game for another you? week. What, what mm-hmm. are you doing? Yeah, well, we'll get into the subs in a second. It's definitely, you know, a point to, to discuss. In terms of, the, you know, the not winning from a winning position, such as the fragility, whether it's a, a one lead or a 2-1 lead, anything narrow, Celtic really, really buckle under any sort of pressure. And actually, it, you know, it's all fine lines, fine margins, but Ayer, who I thought, goal aside, as in the one we conceded, goal aside, he had a very, very good first half. If he scores that one in the stroke of half-time, where he's made a brilliant run and Turnbull has made a phenomenal pass for him, Keepers made a good save there. If that's back in the net, it's 3-1 half-time, we're home and hosed. The, the simple fact of the matter is, if you take away your set-piece concessions, we're still in the league. The, the set-piece concessions are completely our Achilles heel, but yeah. th- this then goes back to the point. I mean, we're just going around in circles. You go back to that point, the set-piece concessions are there because we have been defending really, really poorly. That's the difference between this year and last year. You know, how many set-pieces would we have defended successfully you know you're always under pressure especially in Scottish football teams like to get the ball in the box it's just that you know that's what's facing you this management team and I say team because yes Lennon's at the head of it somebody's got to be in there watching that going hey boss I think we've got a bit of a problem here yeah. I know Mr Lennon's not a huge fan in re-watching videos as we've already touched upon it's becoming so glaringly obvious any team that gets a free kick just thinks get that ball straight in the box we've got the invisible man in goals we've got a centre half in Duffy who looks completely shot to bits you've then got a makeshift centre half and beat on you've then got somebody who's been playing centre half for two seasons out at right back it's quite easy to see why the team is so disrupted and conceding from such a basic part of football now that element of football in terms of defending set pieces if you want to win league championships and as we've done travels season on season you probably could count on one hand the amount of set piece concessions we actually had I'll give you a stat here. So, Please do, Tino. In terms of the st- uh, goals conceded uh, this season, Celtic have conceded 18 goals in the league. 13 of them have come either directly or indirectly from set pieces. So penalties or free kicks in second phases of free kicks into the box. You know, you would accept that you would usually concede a couple of them, you know, by this stage in the season, but 13 conceded uh, in that manner and meaning that five are in the normal fashion. So had you only really conceded five or six goals this season, had you dealt with set pieces in a, in a more confident manner, you'd be sitting in a very different position. There's no doubt about it. Or even, or even half of them. <laughs> yeah. you know, even half of them. The, the, the half point, of 13, the, six and a half of the them point, if I'm struggling. The point is, it could happen. This season, it could happen. The, the point is that this is on the management's watch. The players have changed and shifted constantly, but there's got to be something that you can change. There's got to be something. It doesn't seem to matter what keeper we have in. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to matter what combination we have in defence. In everybody's defence, that has changed constantly through the whole season for various different reasons, not necessarily of them anything within control of the manager. Julian being missing, I would argue, is probably a huge part in that. I think yep. Julian, I'm, I'm not his biggest fan, but he does seem to be the motivator and the organiser of the defence when he's in there. And he was just coming back into the team. You know, he was in desperate need of a run of games when he got injured again. Don't think that, that helps. With Ayer, I keep looking at Ayer and just thinking, you need to play that guy in midfield. Never mind the right back. I, you know, I think we've potentially got a, a class 
physical presence midfield presence in him and we're just we're, we're shunting him about all over the place he's got to go to another team play a whole midfield role and look like an absolute star I don't know I would be playing him at centre half still at the moment I'd, I, when you look at his Duffy and Beaton um, I'd have iron there will they too I, I'd, be playing, I'd be playing him at right back so between the three is, oh, I, that's, what I mean, though, that's, what, that's what I mean that's what I mean it's just oh. the, the interesting thing and you made the point just there Miff, I think we're going to see a lot of our players leave and go on to be superstars at other clubs now Ryan Christie's getting in the neck just now and I think in certain times deserve, deservedly so he could go to a Southampton or something and, and be a real yep. standout I think I, I, just, th- I, I just think in the, the the framework of Celtic Football Club at this moment in time really good players are looking really shoddy I mentioned it on Twitter during the week the fact that we all know how good a player Odds and Edward is Callum McGregor is you know definitely Christie and a few others they can't all by coincidence be playing as badly as they are just just on form some guys going in out of form it's got to be more to do with the setup and, and what's going on whether it's the pressure of the 10 the fact that there's so much weight of expectation the manager's under pressure himself and it just seems to be that some of these players have, have crumbled under that and actually the best thing for them and I don't you, know, you never want to see talent leaving Celtic Park but the best thing for them would be to move on and you could see some of these guys excelling elsewhere I, I think you're right but after being on the run that we've been on the, the reality is all these runs come to an end, you know, you can't just win trebles year in, year out. It didn't happen before and it probably won't happen again. So you look at it and you say, right, a rebuild's going to be required and a rebuild's needed. That's what makes the current stalemate between Lowell and Lennon all the more baffling to me because I just, I, my mind is completely made up in terms of you bring, go and get whoever you want, pay whatever you need to pay and start the rebuild of both the playing squad and as we've alluded to in previous ca- uh, podcasts, the structure above it so that we are protected from the constant state of flux you're in when a management team leave because you want you want the structure above them to be to be solid whether that be a director of football operations or whatever you want, what you call it the, the, the issue we've got now is all that's got to happen at the one time so the quicker it happens certainly before a new season the better for me but i understand there are other matters at play which affect that yeah I mean, I think the you know the suggestion during the week is that Celtic are reluctant to place a new management team in charge at the moment because they are going to you know rip it all up and start again in terms of the structure. And another thing that is annoying me just while it comes into my head is the this constant drip feeding of news from Celtic Park. You know, rumours are that Celtic are wanting to restructure and all that stuff. And whether it comes from you know one of the tabloids or or, or one of their kind of favoured journalists on Twitter, why not just come out and control your own media message? Celtic will be reforming our football department in years to come or whatever you know announce something and speak to your fans and don't treat them like mugs which is what we've been seeing and understand the sensitivities of things but strong decisive leadership is required now more than ever and I still think whether there's somebody lined up to take the job now or not I still think Neil Lennon's got to be removed from the situation because all it's doing is creating all this speculation and it's not good for him it's not good for the club so whether there's actually somebody ready to come in I still think Lennon's got to, and I don't know whether that, that leaves us with Kennedy and Strachan. I wouldn't be a fan of that personally. I don't know who you would bring in. I'd mentioned maybe McIntyre and McManus, but is that going far too down the, the, the food chain? Or? I just think it has to be, with all due respect, anybody but Neil Lennon just now, because yeah. it's just causing such a, you know, a malaise and confusion around the place. And I just think that whoever it is, Kennedy, Strachan, whoever, Yogi Hughes, whatever, just make a change. One of, one of my mates, one I'm of my mates. No, one, one, of my, one of my mates is absolutely, he is convinced that we missed out by no bringing in Yogi Hughes. <laughs> Jeez, and I'm no joke. He's like, that's exactly the kind of guy you want to bring in. To, now, even in the short term. I think just Chick Young was saying that just to totally... I think I think I'm saying it's well. No, my mate's right on the right <laughs> I mean, just, even as you say, they're on there, my f- it's, it's six or seven wins out of 21 or 22, whatever that stat is. So just by default, whoever comes in cannot surely be any worse than that. Well, the the... the 
the manager of recent times that's probably most powered is, is Tony Mowbray. Now, I had the misfortune of attending most games in Mowbray season. Yeah. <laughs> and at the start, they were actually really good to watch. You, you just saw a team, team's confidence kind of erode over time. And very similar to what's happened now. Really good players. Um, and I was at St Mern the night we could beat 4-0. Yeah. And I think Aidan McGeady was left wing back by the end of the game. It was awful, just the way, you know, things just totally... He went gung-ho at 2-0. And we, we get caught. And you can actually see similarities to that there, where there's loads of good players in the team, but they're just not playing cohesively at all. And it was Lennon that benefited from that, because Lennon came in and all he did was kind of organise them to start with. Going on that same point, if you removed Lennon and you brought somebody in like, and I'm just saying like, Gordon Stratton, Martin O'Neill, to the end of the season, either of those managers would do one thing, and they would stop those set-piece concessions. Yeah, they'd shut up shop, and that's the basic. If, if things aren't going well in football and you can't get a win, first thing you do is close the door. Something that seems to have played Lennon. Uh, most club he's been at I, see, I seen an interview when he was at Bolton he was talking about how they couldn't stop the, the, the goals coming in from set pieces so it's just so glaringly obvious for everyone to see how can they not see that there's, a, there's yeah. an issue there I've questioned why that's the case because Lenny comes from this you know I've, I've talked about it constantly but this stock from you know Clough to O'Neill to Lenny certainly just looking at O'Neill in isolation Martin O'Neill first and foremost built his teams on strength and you know hard to beat power but you know big solid power spine of the team goals. solid centre half solid centre mid solid front man and Lenny's been schooled in that he's an absolute disciple of Martin O'Neill yet he can't seem to to follow that basic pattern to be quite honest with you I think you've you've seen Lennon almost his confidence seems short as well so whilst he is Away from football, by all accounts, a very charismatic and, well, he's got a lot of personality, you yep. know, and I think that's fair to say. You know, he seems to be really well liked within the football community as well, apart from maybe Jim Duffy. But I think because he's lacking confidence, somebody like an O'Neill or a Clough has got that gravitas when they walk into a room, everybody listens. It sounds to me like just nobody's listening to Lennon now. And you would even look at the body language, right? you know, I'm not a body language expert, but you just look at Lennon. Kennedy striking it just looks so forced just that's how it looks to me yeah it just looks so forced that they don't look like a, a management team in unison and if you're a player working under that you know how are you meant to then go out I know Roy Keane will say you don't need a manager to motivate yourself but the modern football players are a very different beast to the likes of the, the Roy Keane's in the, the, the mid 90s they're going out there want to feel part of a, a structure that because that's how they've been brought up through through all their youth ranks is you know you play a certain way everybody's got their role etc etc I just think the players also feel disconnected from the management team and it's just all it's just all up in the air. We need somebody to come in, even in the short term, to steady the ship, get a few wins on the board, bring a bit of confidence back, have the players playing with a bit of freedom, just take a handbrake off, which they should be doing now anyway. They're out the race, play, play with the handbrake off. No pressure. If anything, they, they seem to be even further weighed down with the pressure. A change is needed drastically just to lift the mood around the place because everybody's getting dragged down with fans, players eh, in the management team. Make that change. Bring somebody in in the short term, give them a wee a wee boost, and then somebody coming in like a Stratton or an O'Neill in the short term would make those kind of changes. He's saying, "Listen, you've been absolutely woeful. You're at the team, and bringing people that deserve to play." Yeah, I think just with the style of management that Neil Lennon brings, there's no doubt that he is a man manager and a motivator, as opposed to a, a technician or a you know a technical type of manager that Rogers is. I think Joe Ledley touched on it. He was in Soccer AM last week. They asked him who the best gaffer he's ever had. No doubt he said it was Lenny. You know, he gets you fired up. You'd run through brick walls and all that stuff. But Ledley himself said, tactically, it's, you know, it's not really his thing, which is quite a glaring thing in the modern game of football. But that's just different styles of management, which I get. But if you are the motivator, the hairs on the back of the neck, you know, you go out and do it for me. You're, you're, you're the best striker in this country and all that kind of fire and brimstone type of stuff. That's fine in short term uh, appointments that that works to get you over a line it works to maybe get you a, a season or two it's not sustainable you can't keep going back to the well with that kind of chat and that's where technical managers 
a la Rogers or whatever will thrive you know over a longer period of time when Neil came in the first time he had no managerial experience at all and I think he was sort of riding off the, the back of the reputation he had as a player and you know he had that sort of ruling thunder and all that but once the fear goes from that, once the once the players no longer fear you anymore, you can't rule with that sort of management style. And I, and I think that's what he's lost. He's lost the players at some point. I don't know whether it was after the, the Ferenc Varos game when he came out and said some of them wanted to leave. And it, it seemed like he sort of threw some of them under the bus. And from then, I just don't think he's recovered from that. Yeah, and I, I don't think he's he's fully lost them in terms of, I think the players are fond enough on, of him and they want him to be a success and by default they themselves to be successful but I just think his style is lost on them and I think we've touched on it previously about how an Odson Edward uh, an Enchammer whatever they must hear all that banging table and let's get in about it kind of chat and just it just cannot work for them this season though we don't have a style and that's the problem you know last season last season we did now you know season tick older went to get I think we thumped St Johnson 7-0 or 7-1 first game of the season Mikey Johnson then I had to sit through one of the worst games of football I've ever seen in the Dunfermline game. And Dunfermline really deserved to win so that I, game. Extra time or something? Yeah, again, Mikey Johnson scored an extra time. And I came away for that game thinking, whoa, we might be in trouble this season because we, we were we were bad. You know, we were really bad. And then, you know, as the season went on, clear playing pattern emerged. And then he changed it up and went into January as well and went to up top. So again, you think to yourself, right, well, he's got a bit of a plan. You know, he can go back to... The four two three one. When you went to a Rogers game, you just saw the way the team was setting up, and you just knew, you just knew what was coming, and so did the opposition. But they just couldn't stop it, and that was when they were playing with loads of confidence. You know, you were guaranteed seventy percent possession, maybe eight nine clear cut chances a game. Some games you'd take a lot of them. Some games you'd maybe only take one or two of them. But you won practically every game at home. Under Lennon, as as time has went on. It's hard to identify how we actually play. What you know? What do we look to do? Do we look to get the ball out wide? Mm, sometimes. Do we look to try and play through the middle? I a couple of times until we lose and then we stop trying it again. There's no pattern of play. You know, it, it's just I, I can't quite put my, my finger on it. But just over time, we just seem to have lost any sort of. And I hate the word, but that identity. I know Rogers is big on that, and that's what he goes on about. But right now, we we don't have one on the park, and it's almost like Turnbull's come into the team. And it's Key Turnbull the ball and hope that he finds a magic pass, which he has done in more than one occasion in a game. Or have Ryan Christie hit a shot for 35 yards and pray to God it goes in. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the thing though, you know, cliche or not, we do not have an identity. What, what are we known for? And what we're known for right now is utter inconsistency, mad formations, questionable selections and repeat the model next time around. You've, you've Set no piece idea. concessions as well, we forgot that. <laughs> forgot that well, that's, that's the one consistent that we've got. But from one game to the next, you know, the very fact that you know, we play the diamond, then we don't, then we're two up top, then we're back to one, and then, you know, we're changing goalies. We've just got no consistency at all, and we're getting exactly what you'd expect to get when that's your, your setup. There's nothing you can recognise about this team and say week on week, well, you know that it's a given that we will do X, Y, Z. The only given is that we'll concede from a set piece. Everything else there, you're just rolling the dice and seeing what happens. And sometimes in football, just by virtue of having better players, which no doubt Celtic have got, certainly... I think on paper the best squad in the country, albeit it doesn't look like that just now. You will beat teams just because you've got Odson Edward up front of teams, because El Unice can do something different, because Turnbull can do something different. That's not managerial or, or structural. I, I think um, the Edward form is another huge factor. So if, if if you take those two things, in terms of set-piece concession and Edward being off the boil, that's your 23 or 26 or whatever the hell it is now, point gap. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Ed, Edward will pull you at the fire. Many times they do it last year. You know, you look at games last year and he scored two and three goals in a game. He's mm -hmm. won you the game. He's not doing it this year. That's life. 
loads of things have happened to contribute towards that. I'm old enough, I can remember when it was nip and tuck. You won some, you lost some. Cup final days, losing to Rangers and you're absolutely raging. Cup final days, beating them. It's the best day you've ever had. This run that we've been on, the fall was always going to be hard to take. It didn't matter how the fall came, it was always going to be hard to take. I think it would have been harder to take if it had been nip and tuck and you went to the last day and lost it than what we're watching the now. However, it's the inaction now that's killing us. It's absolutely killing us. Um, and it's killing the hope of the fans. I, I just don't understand how we can be in a situation where we have served up what we've served up this year in terms of the inconsistency, all the all the, the, the flaws on the part. We have, or the club has become so disconnected from the fans by virtue of the fact that it's chosen to communicate certain issues. We still don't know the second player that's tested positive, do we? Has there been an announcement to confirm who it is? Nothing for It seems to be in charm, doesn't it? But, nothing, it, but, well, but why, why would you not tell? The fans who who it was. Mm, I think it can come down to the individual because it's a you know it's a medical thing and it can come down to the individual. So, but I, I get that. I get the, the the point of what you're saying Aye. is it just were kept in the you dark know, with everything. So all, all those things, the fans are literally I would say ninety five percent. Would you think that'd be fair to say want a change? Absolutely. I, I, I don't know anybody, and, and uh, I've not I've not spoken to every fan just yet. But <laughs> there, there's nothing I see anywhere online. I've WhatsApp, seen, I've seen the odd. No, I've seen the odd one. Really? Aye. That's a Lenny Burner account on Twitter. Aye, I think so. <laughs> must think be. So. It must be. Um, but yeah, you know, everybody wants to see change. I, I just think that I suppose for Celtic and the board and Lobel to make change, you're accepting that the ten is gone. And I think they they all they they just did not see this coming. There was no foresight, there was no plan, there was no strategy. It was all about this year. And now that it's come crumbling down so dramatically, they, they they're paralysed by it. Aye. They don't know what to do. Another thing I would I would mention on that is right. So say you have got somebody lined up, or you know somebody you want to bring in. The fact that we're in the whole lockdown scenario, it might involve somebody moving moving their family, moving up from England or whatever, another mm. part of Scotland need to move their family down to the central belt, there's restrictions down here, so there's practicalities as well that, that may be the reason why, but I agree, even, whilst I wouldn't be a fan of it being Kennedy and Stratton, or Kennedy and McManus, or whatever combination of the backroom staff there is, I just think Lennon, for his own benefit, as much as his poor performance has to be removed, because it's just it's just not doing anybody any favours. It's reputational damage, you know, what does it do, because as much as, you know, we're often dismissed by talk sports and different bodies down south people still look at what's happening at Celtic and Rangers and maybe even more so now that Gerard's in charge across the way but the the car crash that's happened just now it just gets more embarrassing with each passing result with each passing press conference even and any potential new manager that y you might be considering whether that's Rafa, Eddie Howe, Jack Ross or whatever they've all got at least half an eye on what's happening in the global game I think Jack, Jack Ross would be quite happy he'd be quite happy to come there he'd be dodging the flak at Hibs the, the Jack Ross and Yogi Dream team uh, <laughs> remains a possibility where they sign yeah but you know whoever it is we're potentially considering they will see what's going on and they'll see the the lack of action from the the board they'll see the fallout from the fans they'll see the noise o online and it's just not a it's making us a less attractive proposition as each passing week goes the longer the status quo stays in place and the worse it's going to get see three four months of this and then every time there's a bad result all the fans jumping on it it's... yeah to, to bring us back to your great big hope kenny uh do we think somebody like i'm not saying no. him, but like <laughs> like rafa or eddie how are feasible or are we looking at the the aldi level football management bin well, I, I'm, going, I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue. I was in Aldi this morning, you. Did you, did you see any <laughs> good gaffers? I'll argue for why I think it's not totally beyond the realms of possibility. Money, 
if he can come up with the money. So we, I think there's... <laughs> sure you're selling the foot there, Kenny. <laughs> right, moving on. Wait, wait, is he rumoured to be on 10 million or something? I mean, I, I was also thinking, though, if he was on 10 million and he had a few quid in the bank before he went there, he won't be paid poorly by Celtic if he were to come in, but surely he doesn't need all this that money or that. much more money. Like what, he's, he's, I think he's 60 or 61. What are you going to do with 50 million when you're in your 70s? Do you know what I mean? Richest man in the graveyard kind of chat here, but what's the point in all that? He, he may be attracted because you know he maybe sees it as a project I don't know Rafa well I he, don't know if he, he managed much, but... he managed Newcastle who are nowhere a club nowhere near the size of us they've won ne near next to nothing I think I think the last time they won a, first a cup major first cup was, 1961 <laughs> or they, they won the FA Cup in 1956 or something yeah what a day that was and he, he managed them in the championship as well so he managed them out with the top tier yeah they're, they're a sleeping giant club and he took on that challenge albeit I'm sure he was handsomely paid but I've just wondered if he may be attracted by something longer no. term no, no. So, so the Champions League as well so just to, to counter Kenny's hopes then why would you say it definitely wouldn't be a possibility the, there is no way in my opinion that the board will stump up the cash to bring because regardless of how well it was paid in China you'll still expect X amount and I don't think we'll, yeah. we'll break the bank to do it so I was thinking and also as, as things stand at the moment in terms of the structure of the club he's not got to come in with and work with Mr Lowell the director of football no, absolutely not. I was wondering though. Was this in my doorstep? Oh, it's a shved. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if this just might be a a final throw of the Dermot Desmond dice. Though. So Dermot Desmond is seventy years of age. He's not going to stay around for too much longer in the bigger picture. You know, if anything more than a few years. So I wonder if he's saying, "Well, listen, if I'm going to bow out from from my time at Celtic, I want to go out on a high, and I'm going to pull out all the stops." You don't. I mean, again, I'd mentioned that none of us seen Brendan Rodgers coming. Could be possible but, expect but again, something similar. I, again, I go back to my point. Rogers needed us as much as we needed him. This is this isn't the same thing, in my opinion. Desmond, the word on the street is that Desmond appointed Rogers off the back of him being humiliated in the in the stands at Hamden. We're, we're being humiliated now online. Yeah. So there's an ego thing at play as well. You know, Dermot Desmond, there's he's he's no mug, and I don't think he like the the sniping and, and what he'll be hearing. And I know that he's come out quite publicly publicly and said he won't bow to fan pressure on the protest yeah. and, I, and I, I can see he's thinking there but it's not also just fans it's you know it's the word on the street in terms of the investment world and people who know him and people in Ireland and, and big hitters in Dublin and whatever else and they'll be saying oh I, I see our clubs are shambles there not and he won't like that one bit and I wonder if he'll come out and make a statement appointment bypass Brendan uh, sorry bypass Peter Lawwell like he did with the Brendan Rodgers move and go for something more high profile than what we're maybe setting our expectations at. But if you've got the, the the Steve Clark benchmark sitting at the moment, all of set our your assets, expectations. <laughs> Steve Clark, and if it's better, we'll all have a party. At the moment, all of our assets on the park are diminishing. So, so somebody like Rafa Benitez coming in, although it might be a, a big outlay, he, he's going to he's going to bring those valuations back up of the players and bring better players in. There's talk about the club now being willing to accept something around about twenty million from Edward, whereas not very long ago. It would have been, yeah, the 30s and 40s. I understand the global situation as well, but the bottom line is he hasn't performed and your, your stock in football just diminishes when that's the case. So we've got assets and that's what they are. You know, Celtic are a business like any other big club. We've got assets in Edwards and Ayers and Christie's and all these guys and they're just dwindling day after day, performance after performance. Another guy I had noted to touch on and, and we won't be sidetracked by it too much, but we've got a 5 million inverted commas asset in Albina Yeti. What has happened to that guy? But, you know, we signed him in, you know, with great hope, Premier League striker, albeit I hadn't worked out at West Ham. He's gone back the way and then some. I would I would have brought him on on Wednesday night, to be honest, because the the ball, see, it was 20 minutes to go or something. I think it was 77 minutes or something. He took Griffiths off and brought Kamala on when the ball was clearly slightly sticking. 
determined to get onto these substitutes because it's really a bugbear of mine. He, bring on, he brings on Johnston, he brings on Kamala, who are all runners for Impong as well. Why, why not just, I know it's not really the Celtic we are playing, but I, I, I would have said bring a, a Yeti on and just fling the ball into the box. It was a time to be more direct, I agree, because it was just the way the conditions were, there was no no place to play football. And I, th- I mean, it's maybe unfair to throw Clamal on and say, right, go and do something in these last 15 minutes in terrible conditions. But if a Yeti can't be deemed as a better option than him in the manager's eyes, what what is going so wrong in it? And what is he doing or not doing at training that, that has led to that? It just seems five million down the grid. It's just a terrible signing. I think the, the issue with Yeti is right in front of you. Just look him. Yeah. He's no fan. He does, I can't believe he's 28, he's 23. He looks, he's no fan. He looks he's no fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being 33 and above, Kenny. But, but Kamala's uh, game's all about getting in behind. And uh, and how 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 often do we really get in behind domestically? And especially that game. That was just never a game where you're going to the ball was getting put in behind. And especially if you're taking Tumble off as well, who is the only one that is feeding balls in. The, 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 the consistent subbing of Turnbull has to be, for me, the, the most baffling thing yeah. how, how did Ryan Christie play the 90 minutes he was totally that, non-existent that's the second most baffling thing but I agree it seems that just if and out we'll take Turnbull off and we'll see what happens he's the, by far the most creative player in the team at this moment in time and since he's come in and even if even if he were limping but all he could do was hit free kicks and corners it's <laughs> almost worth keeping him on just part. for that just leave, we'll just leave him up front then just leave him up front play the ball on his feet at least to be told the ball and find a path yep. it's, it's bizarre it's also not like he's running on empty. It's not like you see when you go, ah, Turnbull's blown that's again. What, that's he's what I'm saying. He was driving the team forward. He was literally driving the team forward yeah. and then he gets up. Yeah, I mean, he's 21, 22 years of age. He's got a real point to prove. He's got a real hunger about him. Yeah, we seem to withdraw him as if, he, you know, he's he's carrying a bit of something. So, I mean, just to get through those subs, Kenny, I, I know you're keen. So the, the four guys that came off were Ayer, who I thought was having a particularly confident game. Griffiths may have taken a knock, so we'll give that. Sorrow and Turnbull. And then you replace them with Frimpong, as you say, Kenny, you're asking a guy to go on and charge down the right wing in a snow-covered park. Very hard. Klamala, as you'd mentioned, they want him to get in behind. Brown will cover in a second in terms of what he went on to do. And Mikey Johnson, who I'm a huge fan of, and I think we all are, was non-existent on that park. Where's the rationale behind bringing those four guys off and replacing them with the four mentioned? Why, why bring on Brown as well? Why not just um, put McGregor in a slightly sort of sitting role and then you bring on a Roger Church I just thought that the, the subs were, were wild I, I would have took off Duffy or Beaton as well and, and shifted Ayer in rather than taking Ayer off who was the best man in the park and as I've already covered I would have I would have just wouldn't have brought in Namiki Johnson when the ball's sticking or, yeah. or Kamala I, I can get the brown one from a point of view of we need somebody to drive us on and maybe there was going to be that energy and, and, and focus on really pushing it for the last 10-15 minutes I'm still 50-50 on whether it was a red or not, but it's almost incidental because the fact that he gave the ref a decision to make and he was just, why did he even get involved there as a puzzler for me? Is that just frustration that's been played out over the last number of weeks and months for Scott Brown? Is he is he now getting frustrated at everything that's going on? Much like most of the season, you look at those wee things and I think with Brown, maybe half the time you'd get sent off, half the time you'd get a yell. Beat on Ibrox, half the time you'd get sent off, half the time you'd get a yell. El Hamid against Ferns Varos just kick that ball out the park corner although we'd have probably conceded to it anyway the, the point is that that's just the season we've had the, those wee things are swinging against us and it feels like it's just a constant sea of that the now rather than one or two things it seems like everything that can go wrong is going wrong for me the substitutions are one of a garbled mind and that's what Neil Lennon has right now I have no doubt about that I think there's part of him is a very stubborn man that's part of his makeup, part of what drove him to be such a good player because he was so single-minded and able to block out a lot of noise and just play his football. You know, he was subject to horrendous abuse as a player 
stuff that we could never imagine. You know, with people chasing them down the motorway, with people sending them bullets, all those things, absolutely horrendous. And he done all that just to play for Celtic and drive his own to win trophies. That's stuff that should never be forgotten. But it's those qualities that are coming back to really, really haunt him just now because he seems so entrenched in what he believes is the right thing to do that he can't see the wood for the trees. Um, we as fans have a right and also a duty to make our, our feelings known to the club, not necessarily through throwing barriers or anything like that, but you, you take my point, we should we should be letting the board know in no uncertain terms when we feel things aren't good enough. If we're being honest, things haven't been good enough for a while and you now look at that game, we went behind, fought back well, got ourselves back into a winning position, threw it away. I mean, the the, the Levy second goal, the ball breaks, we're, we're all out of shape for a, a kind of nothing. I think it was only time to get back up the park, in the, the, you know, for the start of the second half. The ball breaks. I don't know what Ryan Christie was doing. I would I would need, I would need, yeah. to, I would need, really need him to come on the podcast and explain what he was trying to do there. I've got a call into him at the moment. I, so. I, and, then, I, and then why? Sorrow is directly behind Ayer. Ayer's only concern is going to that ball. And he, and he, he lets the guy basically gives the guy the time to get his head up and pick it out. He's, he's under absolutely no pressure. And then Greg Taylor's really unlucky because he's tracked the run, got across the front of the guy, and it's actually went through his legs as he slid slid in. I think Greg Taylor's led with the wrong foot. He, he's so left-footed that he's come I, in I, and he's slid I, on his I, left. I, I, and would, he's just I would agree right. with that, but it's a really really unfortunate goal. Barkas, to be fair, no get any chance, but you'd be as well just having one of the mannequins in goals, really, wouldn't you? Just if it doesn't hit half him, then he's, he's not going to save it. The substitutions just infuriate even further because you're at a point in the game where... You're in a position you shouldn't be in, and then you're looking to some inspiration for the bench, and we continually keep taking who is our best player off. I mean, the, the, a couple of things. I mean, the fact that we can make more than three subs doesn't always mean we should, and we've, we've covered that a bit before. You don't need to throw four subs on because you're already disjointed, and if you're throwing four more on, you're just adding chaos to the madness. So I'm not really sure why we're making four and five at times. The, the other side to just the opposite approach or the opposite way to look at that is that when Lenny puts on Frimpong, Klamala, Brown and, and Mikey Johnson, he's not thinking, I'm going to put on the Scott Brown who'll get frustrated and get sent off. He's not thinking, I'm going to throw on the Mikey Johnson which will give me nothing. He's not thinking about the, the negatives that, you know, Klamala and Frimpong offered. He's thinking of what these four guys have got and their best assets and what they can potentially bring to the game. So I disagree with the subs they made, but in his head somewhere, he'll have a very strong rationale as to why they were Good moves. Individually, I can see the merits in each of them, but like Kenny pointed out, the conditions need to also come into account as well. Frimpong's not going to get the large patches of grass or turf or 4G to run into like you would want him to. Klamala's not going to have the space to go and run in behind because they're defending their 18-yard box. Brown, you know, did we really need a midfield enforcer at that point? No, we didn't. Probably could have done with another creative midfielder on there to try and find some passes. And... Well, jo Johnson's always likely to beat a man, so I understand the... Johnson's been poor, though, in the, the two games prior I, I'll, I'll to give that. Him a, he's been out for a very long time, so yeah. it's been a really hard situation. I wouldn't fancy coming back. I mean, it would be the same if Forrest turned back up in the park tomorrow. It would be like, right, we're going to be fine now. Right, Jamesy, get the ball. You know, beat two guys, stick it in the top corner. It's it's really harsh. And, and, and then if you think Rogic and Johnson have both been asked to do things they wouldn't normally be asked to do, and it's just a mess. It's hard on anybody to ask that they come in and try and, you know, be the saviour in this, you know, nonsense of a season we've seen. The only guy that, ha or two guys that have been able to do it is Turnbull and Sorrell. They came in at a time when we weren't playing well and showed they've got something about them. I but would it's say Ayer as well. I'd say yeah. Ayer has performed, for me, way beyond his, his, his teammates. I agree with, with that. With the exception of 
Tom and, Lawrence. And I've I've been critical of Ayr in the past, but I actually think the you know the half dozen games or so where we come back into things in December and beyond actually up until Livingston there, he has been the the standout for me. He's just shown a bit of character that yep. other guys haven't. I think we may well lose Ayer uh, in the summer, which would be unfortunate because at 22, I think he is, he could be a real captain for Celtic moving forward if we manage to get him in a long-term deal. I would love to secure a young guy like that and start to build, but you just don't see it at this moment in time. What, what a legacy for Ronnie Dyle, eh? R- Ronnie's time is not to be dismissed. He also, you know, gave KT the nod and, and a few other guys, so I think you know, a lot of folk are quick to <laughs> criticise, but... I wonder if we could get him back from New York, but that's another uh, topic altogether. In terms of uh, you know staying on 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 field matters at the moment, Celtic have got you know we've been fortunate if that's the way you want to look at it. There's been no fixture this weekend, and it's allowed us a wee bit of time to regroup. Um, whether they're looking to regroup by changing the management, those are different question. We've got a game on Wednesday, uh, home to Aki's, and then we've got St Martin at home at the weekend. Um, can I possibly ask you what? We, we can expect there or, or does nobody know what to expect with Celtic these days I, th- I think we'll end up with two or four points two or four points I mean could you imagine not winning either of those games and going six games without a win in the league for Celtic yes I could yeah and that that's that's the tragedy of it all the fact that it is a possibility and it, you wouldn't fall off your chair if they drew them well, if we've only won six and 21 what makes you think we're going to win two in a row yeah I mean on paper you couldn't you know, pick two better sides to be playing at home, albeit St Myrna's picked up, actually. Certainly Aki's, you know, you, you would expect that to be a given, but nothing's a given in Celtic world at this moment in time. From the very fact that you don't know what shape we're going to play, who's going to be available, COVID-wise or just general, you know, fitness-wise, uh, you know, what the personnel will be, it's just, it's it's so up in the air. The players themselves as well, in terms of prepping guys for a game, you know, you need to get guys in at, you know, the start of the week and say, right, here's how we're going to shape up, blah, 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 and this is going to be the system for the Aki's game. But how can that be done with any great confidence if, if the players are thinking, I get what you're saying, Gaffer, but you might not be here on Wednesday. So how can they be confident and prep for a game in, in such a way? And and if that isn't a good enough reason to make change, and even just if the change is, you know, Kennedy and Strachan, for example, then surely that's a good reason as any to, you know, to come out with some strong leadership at this moment in time. I don't know if the players would respond to to, to Kennedy, but I'm struggling to come up with any kind of argument that, that counters myths, to be honest, um, as much as I'd like to. I'd, Hamilton... We beat them three 0 recently, and we beat them five one in the first game of the season. We should we should be beating the teams at this, but the the way the team are playing at the moment, you're struggling to to to, to be positive about any game going into it. Yeah. Unfortunately, the, another uh, key area for Celtic at the moment is centre half. So Neil Lennon came out at the start of the transfer window and says we're now light in that area with Julian being injured. We're now, you know, over three weeks into January, we've got a, a week of the transfer window to to come. Do you think we're going to see any action? We've seen nothing. So far, zero. Rumours about Philip Benkovic, which John Kennedy confirmed the day before he went to, to Belgium, I think. So do we see any sort of action, certainly half or otherwise, happening this week? I, I, I wouldn't imagine so. I think um, whilst the, the situation remains as it is in the, in the dugout and in the boardroom, I don't think there'll be any... How can they forward plan at the minute when there's there's obviously some form of stalemate between the boardroom and the dugout? You'd be bringing a player in to play for a manager who's on his last legs, so... It's just a fairly horrendous situation we've managed to manoeuvre ourselves into, but that would be even more of a reason for me to make the change just now so that somebody else can come in. I would assume there's, I would assume, I would hope, please, that there's been things going on in the background where if anybody was going to come in, they would have been lined up or sounded out so that if a new person comes in, they can just pick that up, get in who they need to get in, get out who they need to get out and just say, right, well, that's your squad to, to the end of the season. The thing is, the squad that we've got should be good enough to win games domestically. That that's part of the issue is that 
you know, we've, we've got a decent squad. To go back to the just a bit about Hamilton, the reason why you don't feel confident winning games is it's only got to take a free kick or a corner against you and you're worried that you're going to concede. So it puts additional pressure on the attacking players because they, they feel like they need to score maybe three goals to win a game. Whereas at points last season, we were, we were getting away with, with narrow victories. So we need a centre-half. We know we need a centre-half. Everybody knows we need a centre-half. Management know it, have come out and said it. You know, the backroom team, we've said it. And there has been nothing. Since Benkovic, I don't think there's even been a link with MD, has there? Nobody. I'd quite like to see Welsh get an opportunity or more opportunities for the rest of this season. It was a standout, the Hibs game. Inexplicably dropped. Never played in, in Wednesday night against Livingston either. And uh, to me, look, just looking at the partnership I, I Duffy and Beaton, it's so clear that it doesn't work. Again, both of them are getting caught under the ball. As I mentioned in the, I touched on it in the, the match reaction on Wednesday. Duffy just keeps lifting his, we're, we're vulnerable from free kicks, from dangerous areas, and Duffy just keeps lifting his hands and committing fouls out in those areas where we're, we're being punished. You would also have to ask if we're being honest and accepting that the league is absolutely gone, which I think we're all in agreement on. <laughs> Come right? on, Tino, man. Yeah. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. <laughs> I have let it go if you let me uh, finish. So if we're accepting of that, then why would you keep playing Duffy? Because if you're accepting the league's gone and he's a lone player, he's not going to be here next year. So what's the point? It's not like you're trying to integrate him or get him confident. He won't feature next year. So why not just remove the, him? The only, the only reason you would have for playing him is if he's going to play alongside maybe a younger player and shepherd them through a game but at the moment I think Welsh would shepherd him through exactly, the game exactly yeah that's well, the thing. to me this is the absolute prime time to be playing Welsh next to Ayer or even, even next to Beaton <laughs> which is mental when you think that you think about Duffy will probably be on when he's coming here but listen you just need to cut your losses people always say oh well, you're, you're, you're not involved in the game so you don't know I, I know good centre halves when I see them I know average centre halves when I see them and I know very poor centre halves when I see them and you just need to watch it the way the, the defensive unit plays when Duffy's in it and sometimes you see him when he's dropped away back even behind where the other centre half is it just looks so disjointed and he just seems to be one of those guys that just goes and does his own thing I, I, I don't know whether he's worried he's, he's going to get turned and he's uh, going to get done for pace and that's why it, he's it, so touch tight to uh, people oh, and it, lifting his hands it and, just seems to be mate. and again I feel for him a wee bit because it, it just seems everything that can go wrong has went wrong for him in, in those wee 50 50 bits where it just it's just been terrible and then there was times the other night when he stepped up and tried to play passes he I know, just he hit the ball, the ball right out the oh, has been doing geez, it as well man. Beton usually steps out and picks a good he's pass done, he's, he's been doing it recently as well but he... I mean if we're looking for silver linings during all this chaos then the silver lining would be that you do have a genuine opportunity to give guys like Welsh game time that you might not have otherwise and it's almost like you know, go going under no pressure that you'd be saying to Welsh because one loser draw it doesn't really matter, you know, league wise just now. So again, it's man management. Ralston, although we all know he's not a world beater, he had a fairly decent game and then he drops right out of the squad. Hazard as well drops right out of the squad. Again, it comes down to poor man management of the younger players. Yeah, I think the main focus should be absolutely building for next year. And, and we've spoken previously about just starting to build, uh, you know, the core of your team around who's going to be here and give those guys the minutes. So I'm really hopeful that IR will stay on, but whether that plays out remains to be seen but yeah definitely guys like Welsh Sorrow Turnbull Callum McGregor who, who may well be your, your full-time captain next year Mikey Johnson who we know has got talent but just hasn't shown it since his return James Forrest is obviously a key player there are decent guys there to build around I suppose the other side of that is you're you're going to lose the Edwards I don't know what's going to happen with the guys like Ayetis whether Clamalla will step up and things like that but there's going to be a real fluctuation within the squad Scott Brown your captain is certainly going to scale back his, his on-field activity. So there's just so much movement there. And I think the there's a responsibility on the management side to say, 
we need to chuck in the towel for this season in the 10 and all that stuff and look towards the future. But Neil Lennon can't be the man to make those decisions. That's the thing, because he himself must know he's not going to be there. We've been seeing that since probably November. We're not at the end of January. I think, as well, we're doing this podcast, if you went back, some of the phrases were saying week in, week out, just because it's not, it's not changed. That's how ludicrous it's got. You know, you're like, Celtic, as a club, set standards. And we, as fans, try to make sure that those standards are kept to. We have been shouting for a long time now, relative to the season, that those standards aren't being met and we've been told to shut up. And we're still shouting. What Celtic are, ex- are effectively saying is the standards in place just now are acceptable. You can come to no other conclusion. If you're an ayer or, or any of those type of players you're saying to your agent, start start looking. Yep. Get, get me out of here. Yeah. I mean, here. what we are saying is this this is us. This is us. Yeah, you just support the team. Uh, that's it. And it just, we, we are, it, it looks like, you know, from the outside looking in, it just looks like the club have accepted the malaise yep. as if to say, well, this is, this is fine. And, and, and how dare you protest uh, it in you whatever way you, you see. nine. What do you want 10 for? Yeah. And that's the thing. In years to come, you know, 10, 15, whatever, you look back in the history books and say, wow, what a time. Quadruple treble. I was at that game. I was at that game. And it was an amazing time. But right now, living through the mess of it coming undone, as you rightfully said, Muff, Trebles can't go on forever. So we need, you know, we had to be realistic and accept that, you know, it wasn't going to be a fifth and a sixth and a seventh treble in a row. It's a shame, too, because I quite enjoyed it. They were decent, eh? Ah, it was all right. <laughs> but the fact that it's come down, crumbling down so badly, that's what makes it hard to accept. But as I say, you know, history will be kinder on this this period in time for Celtic. But as I say, living through it is it, horrendously painful. And all you would ask would be leadership from the top to say, we understand how you feel. We also feel this way because there are standards and this is how we operate as a club and here's what we're going to do about it and set out some sort of communication or, or some sort of, sort of plan or, you know, just give us a state, you know, state of the nation type address, you know, Peter Lowell or otherwise and do it on your own in-house channel or, or, or do it on, on Sky. You do whatever get, you want, but do it. Get the Gantt shirt ironed. <laughs> get it <laughs> or just out. don't say a word and just make a statement and go for Rafa. The plan is, there's no plan. That would be w- one, one way to really bring us all together. Make a, a statement appointment. Steve Clark. <laughs> They've got to be so careful because see if they do make, I think, a Steve Clark or anyone that just asks a question, you know, anyone that splits the fan base 50-50, Steve Clark definitely does that. Oh, he will. He will. And you're going back to the Strachan-esque manager of organisation before any form of flair. When Rodgers came in, you knew one thing you were guaranteed is you were going to get a team in the front foot. Less than what he'd done at Liverpool, more about what he'd done at Swansea. You know, he took a team where fairly modest budget and made them punch above their weight and play some excellent football got them into the Premier League and that, that's what got them on Liverpool's radar he came in and he got Liverpool within a whiskery winning the title and he done it with them playing really good football albeit that at that time he said oh we Suarez he's then came to Celtic done the exact same thing with Celtic only domestic dominance we enjoyed we'll look back on that in a few years time and it'll, it'll be un- unparalleled but the empire was always going to crumble and it's how we reacted to that that was going to be key were we going to be proactive enough to recognize the signs and do something quickly about it or had we went into a malaise and become complacent and that's clearly the way it's played out the latter we have become complacent and it's almost a case of well kind of going forever lads and whilst you do accept that to a point well okay right we get that but we'd like to get back to that again at some point so let's do something about it and we're just not and the fact even the fact that it felt like when we were going to win, going to win, going to play in the Scottish Cup final, that Lennon was being kept on just so that he could do that. That in itself is just a no-no. You either need to change or you don't. What what worries me is if they are waiting to the if they're waiting to the end of the season and that is Steve Clark or whatever. What what about what about the Champions League qualifiers? 
in July. But that's, that, that, there's a 30 million prize ish for qualifying for the Champions League. So are we just saying the gambling with that as well? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll just we'll see what happens with that one. So the, the time to plan for that is now. We know the way it works in in European football that. I don't know where the, where the Euros taking place this summer when the qualifiers will be, but they're usually early bells, June, July, and, and t- you know, I around guess that the time. second qualifying round we're coming in at, it's is it 20 and 21st of July. You're, you're basing that on us coming at least second in the league, Kenny. Uh, well, <laughs> so, exactly. So yeah. easy with that, kind of a wild statement. But yeah, so we've obviously got qualifiers to plan for, which are maybe five ish months away, and we just seem to be doing nothing about it. And, and not only are we not signing players right now, we're definitely going to lose several players, whether it be some in this window and definitely guys in the summer, whether it's Edwards and Ayers and whoever else might move on, Scott Brown scaling things back. So the, the squad is going to be completely different, but there just seems to be no sign of prepping ourselves for a potential 30 million windfall, you know, which awaits in the Champions League. That in itself is absolutely criminal. You know, d- dicing with that kind of money. And then the way we've seen things in, in recent times, you might not even qualify for the Europa League with this kind of... I thought of another name mm-hmm. for the job who we didn't cover the last time. Who did I throw in the last time? Chris, Chris, Chris Davis, Davis was one of right. So, however, this one would involve needing to pay money, which I know you can Peter, out, then. Peter Lowell's not a huge fan of. Michael O'Neill, Stoke. I was going to say, where is he now? Still at Stoke? Stoke. He's done a great job with them because they were relegation fodder last year after Nathan Jones left. He's came in, he saved them, and now he's got them kind of pushing where, towards where the playoffs. Top, top half championship? I think they're pushing towards the playoffs anyway. Yeah. And yeah, and you would certainly say something like that would be within our grasp you know financially I know they would have to pay money but surely surely we'd be able to get I just, I just think he's he's somebody that started off modestly I think it was breaking he started off it and then he's kind of worked his way done an excellent job with Northern Ireland and now he's proven himself at Stoke I would say because of the, the job that he's done there I'm, I'm only I'm thinking your budget that's why I'm, I'm thinking somebody like Mike on I'm just, I'm just thinking your budget you're, and somebody that somebody of the profile that the board would, you're also would, just you know Rightly, trying to manage expectations, knowing where we are and knowing how some of the guys think. How would you feel, Kenny, if Michael O'Neill come in? He's, a, he's been linked with us before and he's no Rafa Benitez. No, you're no <laughs> too, too chuffed there, Kenny, let's be honest. <laughs> I've, uh, I've seen you happier. I, I, I would rather st- Steve Clark than, than Michael O'Neill. Would you? Aye? Probably. Would you? Yeah. This chat's hurting me. Steve, Steve Clark or Michael O'Neill, Jesus. Oh. Just, just to see him at the first press conference. How are you feeling, Stevie? I'm absolutely delighted. Not bad. But you've gone from the extreme highs of Brendan Rodgers only, you know, a relatively short few years ago and how excited we all were with that appointment. And now look what, what we're talking about. And and not and we're not being flippant. It could be somebody like Michael O'Neill. It could be Stevie Clark. You know, we're not we're not just messing around here. This could be what we're looking at. And what a, what a serious downgrade that would be given the, the highs of the Brendan Rodgers era. Is this just for Celtic Arm now in the modern game? Yes, but only because we choose to be. But we, we, we thought we were there before and then we brought in Rodgers. We did. We, I, I, I totally. I mean, that out, where, where we are just now, we could or Desmond could go and say, you know, there you go, Rafa, <laughs> Kenny. I'm not trying to get you fired up here, but you know, it, it, that that could feasibly happen again. The issue that we have is based on what we are seeing right now in the here and now. What gives you any sort of confidence that we can successfully manage this situation to us ending up with a big name manager? Yeah, based on, how, based on how the board have been acting, you would have no confidence no. That they're about to make this this statement uh, no. signing. They've got the wherewithal to make it through Dermot Desmond's personal fortune, but whether they've got the desire, and I mean the, indiv- the individuals of Desmond and Peter Lawwell and the board, have they got the desire to go out and make this statement? Because you know they're, they're being criticised at the moment, and rightfully so, but these guys must be feeling it as well. Peter Lawwell is a Celtic fan, you know, and, and he, he must be feeling this and going, we need to do something. Surely he's saying we need to do something rather than appoint a, you know, a so-be-it manager. Surely he's thinking, 
he knows how it works. He's been in, you know, he's been at Celtic for 17 years or so. He knows that the way to get the fans on side is either make a big signing or sign a high-profile gaffer. Surely, I mean, there has to be an occasion to break the, the Gant shirt out for a happy occasion, you know, rather than the apology. Maybe we'll get a pink Gant one for the for the new manager getting appointed, you know, just to say, right, here we go, lads, better days are coming. I think the fans want the... They, they look at that template of, you appointed Rodgers, you got success, so there, there you go. Bring in a coach that can organise the team effectively, play a decent brand of football, trophies will fall. That seems very simple to us fans. The board don't see it like that. They have they, though in the past, and and going beyond that, you know, Martin O'Neill's appointment came right yes. off the back of an absolute disaster. Agreed, but for for me, because of the the difference just now is we're in a world with the COVID and the pandemic. Everything about this Celtic board tells me keep things, you know, keep it tight rather than be outlandish and go yes. for broke. Cautious. That's, that, that's where I'm. That's where I'm coming from with my thinking. It's not to say I'm not being pessimistic because I don't want it to happen of course I want it to happen I want a big name appointment I want us to go back to playing a decent brand of football and more importantly just winning games <laughs> given the current economic climate and the way that Celtic manage their finances going for broke for me can immediately be ruled out which immediately rules out Benitez and probably how as well I think you might be right if it were left to Peter Lowell and I, and I think you know Peter Lowell from a, an accountancy background as your, as your chief exec would make decisions based on the current climate, you know, what you can recoup and Profit see. Profit that's always interesting. But when you when you look at the fact that Celtic are run relatively uniquely in terms of you've got a, a silent uh, majority shareholder in Dermot Desmond, who now and then, when required, swoops in, makes the big money announcement uh, and managerial appointment and then, you know, takes another back seat and lets Peter Lawwell run it. So if it was Peter Lawwell's choice and he was running the budget, I'd say you would get your Steve Clark, Michael O'Neill's. I think, I think it all comes down this summer or right now to how Dermot Desmond wants to take the club. You know, how, how, what he wants his final legacy to look it's like. It's probably in his hands. Give uh, two minutes, Kenny. I'm just going to check Twitter to see if Rafa's been appointed yet. No, no, still not happening. Still, still, still available. Still no Rafa. No, oh, well, well, they've wished uh, Sean Maloney happy birthday. Well, the best best wishes to the young man. Well, the best, Sean. Just something you'd mentioned, Miff, as well, about first and foremost, you want to see, see Celtic get back to winning ways, but also play a certain brand of football. And we always talk about the Celtic way and, and how Celtic have always played over the years. Would either of you accept pragmatic, practical Steve Clark football as long as you're winning, or does Celtic need to play a certain way for you? Yeah, I think they do because that was part of the issue with Stratton. If you remember, Stratton won. I mean, Stratton won three titles in a row. Yeah, three titles in a row. Um, a few doubles chucked in there as well. Um, but wasn't was much deemed, fun. Was deemed, you know, he was completely fifty-fifty. Some of my mates absolutely loved him some of them absolutely hated him you've seen in interviews since guys like McGeady obviously going his goal you know the type of mm -hmm. who we would regard as a floor player and something that was great to watch and one of the seasons Strachan did win the league McGeady carried the team but Strachan couldn't stand him so that's the type of guy that's the type of guy Strachan is or maybe that's the type of guy McGeady is who knows who, who was right there but you, you take my point it wasn't something that a lot of Celtic fans were happy to go and watch and sit through and I can remember going to games and even though we were top of the league you know, stadium wasn't exactly full like it was under under Rogers. Yes, Celtic do need to be playing a type of football, but that's part of the issue. The now I don't think we're playing any type of football. The yeah. now it's just it's there's no obvious cohesion on the park. The only bright sparks are the fact that you've got individuals within the team, the likes of Turnbull, another person we should mention when he plays as Elianusi because he's a very frustrating player, very frustrating player because he doesn't do it consistently. But he has shown glimpses this season that he is 
an excellent player. I, I think he's clearly one of the most talented guys we've got just now. And whether there's an, an option on getting him in for next year, it would just depend on on what manager is looking after him. Because there's no doubt the ability is there, but it's whether we can get that out on a, a weekly basis. I think he's suffered from the fact we've been very inconsistent with our formation and, and system because we just don't seem to have found a system for him to play in. If you play the diamond, he doesn't play. If you play with two up top, yeah, you can have him kind of playing off, but your two would be Edward and Griffiths. So where where does he yeah, fit it's in? It's a bit square pegs and round holes. But, but, but he, 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 when he plays at different times, he looks class. As you, I think you've mentioned it before. It's probably the, the fact that he is inconsistent is why he's here and he's playing with us is because uh, he can't yep. continue to reach those top performances. But going back to what you said about the manager, I would compromise slightly on style if it meant that we progressed in, in Europe a wee bit more because I think that's what was one of Rogers' downfalls as we continuously played the same way and we never made inroads in, in Europe. I would I would definitely compromise yeah, slightly. And, and, and Rogers not changing his formation for you play St Man one week and then PSG the next and it's the same shape and formation. That, well, that, that, that's madness. that was what Rogers' downfall was because I can remember looking at the, the lineup. I, th- I think it was PSG or Barca were playing and I was like, that's just that's just, just the same madness. as and I get it for the point of view that you're tra- Rogers always looked at the European experiences as, as just that experience to educate mm-hmm. them didn't help that he buggered off down the road the first chance that he got but he was trying to say to them well you're going to get pressed for the ball take time on it find the right pass under pressure to try and bring them on as players and there's no doubt Rogers individually coached them all to be better players what Clark will do as was shown against Serbia when you're playing and I would argue that Serbia are a better team than Scotland what, what you would say is he can structure a team and prepare a team to play against a better team and win the game yeah. he'd done it consistently at Kilmarnock even done it at times when he was down south as well with the likes of West Brom and Reading he took them the semi, semi-final FA Cup I think it was he, he did he took them fairly deep into the FA Cup you know he could he could do that in Europe the problem is that having watched Scotland playing against teams they should be beaten which would be the case when he was with Celtic most weeks mm-hmm. he seems to struggle to set them up to be quite dynamic which he has the players with Scotland to be that, absolutely no doubt. But I was very impressed with the way Scotland played against Serbia and it was that that actually started, <laughs> it might sound funny, but that was what alarm bells came for me with, sorry, alarm bells came for me with Lennon, was how well McGregor and Christie played in that game when they seemed to be part of a solid structure. I mean, McGregor and Jack together were, were absolutely brilliant that night and Christie and McGinn coming in off the wings were exceptional. I think it helps when you've got a Dykes up front could argue that's another one we've, we've let go, but we'll, mm-hmm. that's that's water under the bridge. But having somebody solid and a target man like Dykes up front, that, that means those guys can run off them and they're fairly certain. I mean, the Serbian centre-halves looked petrified in that night. That was a system, a way of playing. The players were drilled. Everybody knew their job. Great. That's not how you're going to play at Celtic Park mm-hmm. 90% of the time. Yeah. What, what it does show, though, is that you know Clark's a student of the game and he knows systems and formations and different approaches he's worked under Mourinho and, and he saw yep. fit to keep him on and guys like that so he's he's definitely got the tactical know-how I believe you know despite his fairly gruff exterior I believe he could also be a motivator I think there's a wee bit of you know respect slash fear from his players as well so I think he's got that but it's whether he can set up a, an attacking formation that would work at Celtic I think he he, he certainly um, got the best out of the players that, that came to come out and you could see that he created a really good camaraderie there with the commandant players and guys who you probably thought were past their best he, he got another tune out when they came up we just need to be winning again it's as simple as that December was a small false dawn I think we won two or three in a row which was unlike us um, this season which is mental to say 
because we were all pinning our hopes and going on this. Well, Tino certainly was. My 19 this mystical 19-game winning run yep. that was got to charges to the 10 in a row. <laughs> um, but I think if you ask most Celtic fans, you know, they'd rather just be winning. And I don't think, we, unfortunately, I don't think we can be too picky because we've been managed so badly for the top. Who's going to want to take the job? Yeah, of course. And I think, you know, if you, if you could have your absolute choice, you'd say win and win with a bit of flair. But, you know, overall, it's just one first and foremost, and then we can add the flair at some point later yep. on because there's nothing more worse than playing badly and losing and not even being at the table. We're not, we're not even competing just now. That's the thing. So we're not even, there's no title race. That's done. So it's not even like we're, you know, we're vying for position here and, and you know, we're neck and neck. There's nothing there. And and this is, as you say, the night is darkest just before the dawn. So it, that, this is as darkest in a plain sense for oh, Celtic. It can only get better. Although I said last week it can't get any worse. <laughs> and then especially <laughs> a week it has actually managed yeah. to get worse. So it, we're just living through this. And it's just one of those things. Um, some action for the board will be the catalyst to things changing, but until that happens, we're stuck. We're stuck with what we've got. Yeah, and, and we spoke, or I, I certainly spoke about that leadership, and that's what we really need to see. So, do you think we'll see action this week? Ken, I think it's a question I've asked most weeks in recent weeks, thinking, well, surely this week. But given that you know we've had a few days without a game, that you know there seems to be different managers rumored. What what I thought was interesting was that the rumours intensified last night uh, over Rafa, but have been very quickly downplayed. And Guillaume Balagay, who's obviously well in the loop, Spanish journalist-wise, he has said that, yeah, there, there has been interest, inverted commas, from Celtic, but he doesn't think that'll happen. Was, was, it, was it the same inverted commas as privileges? <laughs> <laughs> if only this was a video cast, we could see all this. Um, but the fact that he said there was interest from Celtic, I wonder if that means that the club made an inquiry, which would be encouraging, you know, for not to get Rafa. I've seen a few people online saying, okay, we might not get Rafa ready how, but we've, we need to be at least asking the questions or be seen to be asking the questions. And if Rafa says no and Eddie Howe says no, then you look at your next, you know, best bet. And it's the same when you're you're looking for players, you know, whether it's Nick Hammond or otherwise. As a scout, he'll say, well, here's, here's the three top guys for that position and you'll have your top target then your second one and your third one and you'll get what you get but you need to try to get the top one first and foremost and see where you land so before we go right in at Mick O'Neill level why don't we start at Rafa and see where we end up I think we'll, they, I don't think it'll be about style of play I think it'll be what can they get away with that's going to sell the most season tickets yeah and what we can get away with and that's you're right when you're saying that and I know, I know you're not saying it flippantly that seems to be what's the bare minimum Celtic can do to get away with it and to sell the 60,000 or whatever many season tickets and that seems to be the the approach just now can I just go back to, to Rafa <laughs> very quickly what style of football does he play I, I'm not I've not followed his, I know he's been successful I know he was at Liverpool for a long time he was at Chelsea wasn't particularly favoured won the La Liga with Valencia Real Madrid manager of course but what's his style is, is he pragmatic is he defensive he's pragmatic yeah yes that's I'd be esque that'd be a striking esque appointment I'd see in terms of the style the Spanish striking that's what we're going for See, 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 senor. <laughs> so everyone clamors about Rafa Benitez, and he's been at huge clubs. But I just wonder if, you know, is there a lot of hype around Rafa Benitez, or is he is he the uh, real he's, deal? He's, he's won, he's won across the continent. He's won the La Liga. He's won the Champions League. He's won Europa. He's won the UEFA Cup. So there's there's, there's quite rightly hype about him. But as you say. I've not seen his teams a lot recently. I've never seen any Chinese teams playing. Uh, you, didn't, you, not, did, you didn't watch the Chinese. No, I didn't catch any of that. But he would be certainly pragmatic, I think. And I think game what looking to progress in Europe. He's exactly well, of course he's exactly the type of man he's anytime we have six well, certainly in my time, my lifetime following Celtic, the best manager that's available to us, whenever we've brought that in, whether it was O'Neill and Rogers, that is when it's, it's reaped the most success. And I don't think anybody could argue that at the moment Benitez, well you're saying he's not 
uh, within our grasp, but I would say probably is the best manager that we could get out of there. It just seems that every second manager Celtic appoint generally is high profile, then nonsense, high profile, then nonsense, and we just repeat that model. You know, so you go from you know, dialer to the highs of Rogers down to Lenny, do we go high again or, you know, where, where do we end up going at this point in time? And it's going to be a really interesting one. It's going to either cause absolute uproar or it'll get the fans back on side again. It's just one of, one of two things that's going to happen there, depending on, on who they appoint. Yes, history books tell us that they might go big. So Kenny's argument is valid. You know, Desmond comes in, gets the checkbook out, says, right, there you go, Rafa, and we'll, we'll, sign, we'll sign a few players. Then great, but I just I just can't see it happen for the reasons I've already outlined. Set your expectations at Steve Clark and then see where and, you go and from take there. it from there. It also says a lot about where the fan base are just now that you'd you would accept a lot of things because at least and again this isn't disrespectful or meaning to be, but at least it's not Lenny would be the the thinking from so many because it's just become so turgid and, and so poor in such a tough season. That was really disrespectful by you. <laughs> well it wasn't meant. But you know, it's a uh, it's just any sort of change would, yep. be, would be deemed to be yep. better. Whether, Absolutely, that, that's where we're at. Yeah, whether it's the kind of mid-level change of a Steve Clark or Michael O'Neill or, or top level with, with Rafa Benitez. So anyway, again, as I seem to be saying most weeks just now, it's over to Celtic now to see what they do or not in the next week. I wonder if we just, obviously we are recording this episode, but just put this one back out next week because it might be the very same chat. Because I believe there will be no change after the, the giddiness of the um, post-Hibs match reaction. I, I thought, oh, this is it. Definitely, we're going to make a change now. You know, they sent out poor Gav Strack to do that interview and he looks like, you know, what am I meant to do here? <laughs> Who am I talking to? We then lurched onto the Livingston draw, then get served up that one, which was, you know, it was, it was just a hard watch, really. It was a painful watch. How many more of them will we need to sit through before we get change? Sounds like, how many games are there left in the season? 16, 16, 16 times know. more before we get a change, lads. So that that's the way it's going to go. I, I you know, expect there to be no change. Yeah, I, th I think if there was going to be a change, it would have happened by now. Definitely. This week, I think it would have happened before now. Happened by now. So we've got Brian Rice and Hamilton Wednesday night. We might fail to beat them. We go again. And, it's, we go again. and and that it's it's grim, but that's that's what's happening. That's we've just lived through three months of that. Yeah, somebody made the point uh, online that Rangers are twenty three points clear at the top of the league, but don't worry, Celtic have got three draws in hand over them. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kept on counting the games in hand. Is well, we've got these games in hand. We're getting we had, the first opportunity. We we had them as a given. Do. You know that we all had. Well, we said right. Well, that, well, there's nine points. That's a given. There's no givens just now. You know, no. and, and Aki's would seem your most obvious if you could hand pick a game. Aki's at home, you know, you would take that. But just the way things are, the Malays, the the topsy turviness, players in, players out, press conferences, you name it, there's just no guarantees at this moment in time as to what you're getting from Celtic. And the only way to address that is to remove the current management team and at worst regroup, you know, with, with somebody in-house for the rest of the season, if not make that, that big appointment we're looking for. I think the issue that we've got is we're speaking as fans who are realistic, who... Kenny's on for Rafa. Have, no, but we're realistic. We have standards in terms of what we expect to see for a Celtic team over a period of time. And we have watched this season and went, no, this is not only is it not good enough, it's very far from what we expect to see for a Celtic team. And yet here we are, late January, no further forward in terms of the performance of the team. You know, disjointed, lacking cohesion, lacking fluidity. Still probably don't know what our best starting 11 is for the players that are available. Constantly, since, what, August, we have had limited numbers in selection, because of, mainly because of COVID issues, but also with injury. It's just been an absolute 
nightmare. So, fresh start, you would think, would be the obvious route to go. 95% of fans are clamouring for it, and have been for some time, and yet nothing. Absolutely nothing. Here's just one question as we start to wrap things up. Do you think there's any possibility that we'll go into the next season, into next season, with Neil Lennon in charge? No. You wouldn't put it past this board to say, it's been one of those seasons, we'll write it off due to COVID, Neil's got our full backing. You just you don't see it. Wouldn't sell any season tickets if we done Correct. that. And that's what it all comes down to at the yes. end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts, lads, as, as we start to, to bring things to a close? Kenny, anything, anything else on your Rafa mind? Rafa, that's, that's my... I'm going with that. Rafa. You, you going out this weekend to get your Rafa tattoo all finished off? <laughs> if Rafa is in before the end of January, I'll have a drink as well and just get that dry January. Oh, good lad. Good <laughs> nice. Point, um, for me, three points on Wednesday would do that. So that's all I've really got to say. I just hope we go, we win the game. We get back to winning ways and we just try and win as many games as possible before the end of the season. It's where we are and we've accepted it as a club. It seems just to be, well, take what you're given. We'll listen to your voice around kind of April, May time when the season tickets are up for renewal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we would far rather be here, you know, any given week just talking about, you know, football results and formations and who scored what goal and, and who played so well. Yep. But it just, you know, we find ourselves in such a, a time in Celtic's history that unfortunately we're having to rake over the coals of, of poor off-field decisions and, and what that may bring. So as we head into the final days of January, are we also entering the final days of Neil Lennon's tenure at Celtic Park? Or do the board have another curveball of contempt to throw our way? The fans are desperate to see some activity both on the management front and in the transfer window, but whether that will play out this week is anyone's guess. My thanks as always to Miff and to Kenny for joining us on today's episode of the Celtic Exchange. And finally, our thanks to you for listening. And we'll see you again next week. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts.